Welcome to The Irony of Beauty, a fortnightly podcast hosted by skincare experts Fiona and Rose. They love a good chat and sometimes a heated debate about all things skin and nutrition, calling out scaremongering, misinformation and misleading marketing in an ever-confusing world of beauty and wellness. Please note, the information provided is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace qualified medical advice. I don't know what that noise was. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. Did you hear that? No, I didn't hear anything. Okay. doesn't matter. Just ignore that. It was probably my end. How's your <laughs> weekend going? It's a long weekend in Sydney. It's a long weekend for you too, isn't it? Yes, it certainly is. Yeah, good. Except this morning, um, got to the clinic and the toilets aren't working. So had to call a plumber out who's coming out shortly. Just how I want to spend my day off. So... Yeah, I'm in a I'm in a t-shirt today. <laughs> Nothing too hectic for clothing this morning. Great. So you weren't planning to go into the clinic today? No. Not today. No, not today. I was definitely not coming in today, but that's okay. It's that's all okay. good. We go around here. The joys of running your own business, Rose. Hundred percent. So today we're talking about commonly asked questions that well, they're the common questions we always get asked and I think they probably will be the same for both of us. Um, and these are questions that I can't tell you how many times I get asked. So let's get into it. Let's start with cleansing because this is a debate amongst all skin professionals. Um, I get asked all the time by skin professionals, should you cleanse once or twice? And it's also by clients as well. So should you be, and I know even we disagree slightly on this as well. So question is, let's start first of all, should you double cleanse or single cleanse? And then we need to look at, do you cleanse in the morning or not? And if so, should it be a double cleanse or a single cleanse? So let's start with end of day. Um, what are your thoughts on cleansing? Double cleanse or single cleanse? Double without a doubt. 100% because, you know, obviously we're wearing makeup, we're wearing sunscreen, you know, you're picking up all sorts of debris throughout the day. Um, sunscreen oxidizes throughout the day as well. So you definitely need a double cleanse at night. You want to basically your first cleanse is there to remove makeup um, and your second cleanse is there to balance the epidermis and balance the skin. So definitely double cleanse um, in the evening. Yeah. So I'm of the thought, First of all, depends on the skin in regards to do you have a really heavy makeup or not. That makes a huge difference. So somebody like Dave, for instance, um, doesn't wear makeup. <laughs> he only needs, in my opinion, a single cleanse at night time. He just needs to cleanse his face. I don't think, say, if you're a guy and you don't have particularly oily skin, I think a single cleanse is enough. I don't know if you would agree with that, but... Um, in that instance, I would say single cleanse. The reason I say that is probably one of the most potentially irritating and stripping and detrimental steps in our skincare routine is actually cleansing because cleansing does contain surfactants. We've talked about this before. Um, and it really does depend on the cleanser as to, first of all, how potentially drying it could be. If you get a good cleanser, it won't dry the skin. Um, but I have used way more cleansers that I than I would have liked that are drying, even you know professional cleansers. Um, 
So just because it's a professional cleanser doesn't automatically mean it's not going to strip the skin. It's final formulation. So the problem I see in clinic is most people over cleanse and then they're stripping that barrier, causing sensitivity and an impaired barrier. And then that's the canvas for all the next steps. So if you've then got an impaired barrier and putting actives on, you can cause issues. So first of all, get the right cleanser. Um, I'm a double cleanse if you've got heavy makeup. Um, otherwise, single cleanse if you're not wearing makeup. Um, but it also, I think, depends on the cleanser. I use a cleanser where I only single cleanse because it basically dissolves everything in one go. So it's like an oleo gel. It's not a balm. It's not an oil, but it's in between the two. Melts everything, does my eye makeup, wipe over with a washcloth, absolutely nothing left. The washcloth is clean. My skin's clean. I'm not going to overstrip it any more than my skin needs to. So that's where I'm at. I, if it was really heavy makeup, I might do it twice. Um, but I just go by what's on my on my face cloth or, as we say in the UK, face flannel. Um, and if that's clean, then I don't double cleanse. But I know normally everyone says double cleanse, but I'm of the opinion it depends on the skin and how much makeup and it depends on the cleanser as well. There is truth to what you're saying. Um, Thank when you very you're much. <laughs> um, when you're taking off your makeup in the evening, more often than not, you will need a different cleanser to perhaps a treatment cleanser, but it depends on the skin and it depends on the products that you're using. So for my clients that have acne and they do wear makeup during the day, I will prescribe two cleansers. Their first cleanser is there to remove the makeup and debris from the skin. The second cleanser is a treatment cleanser. People over cleanse all the time um, so it really does come down to the skin type it comes down to what products you're using how much makeup the client is wearing for guys obviously it is different than for girls because they're not they don't have that foundation to take off during the day they just need to really cleanse their skin um, so yeah it's, it's quite a personalized thing you can't really say one rule for everyone generally double cleanse at night but like that it comes down to the skin and the products that you're using yeah and also with guys as well a lot of guys shave, so that's also, um, you know, they, they're using products to shave with that can potentially cause more dryness and they're sort of, you know, potentially irritating that skin barrier every single day. So men have to be careful as well when with their skincare products because they are prone to sensitivity and dryness as well. So with acne, for sure, they've got thicker, oilier skin anyway, um, they can cope with more cleansing too and they probably need it because they get that buildup of dead skin cells as well so um or skin cells should i say um so i think we're aligned on that so what about the morning because we i think we differ on this one should you double cleanse in the morning should you cleanse at all what are your thoughts on that well, look, cleansing essentially is there to prepare the epidermis for everything else that we're going to apply later. I always cleanse in the morning. I always recommend my clients cleanse in the morning. They don't need to double cleanse in the morning. It's really not essential. Um, cleansing is there. Your first cleanser in the evening is to take off foundation. You're not wearing that at nighttime. So one cleanse is sufficient. But I do believe you do need to cleanse in the morning because you want to prepare the epidermis. You want to obviously remove sweat and debris throughout the evening. You have got night care, 
um, night skincare that you've applied the previous evening. So you want to just rebalance. You want to get that epidermis ready to apply your day um, skincare products. I've actually tried not cleansing in the morning and my skin was completely different. It actually dried out throughout the day. It became very dehydrated. My skin absorbed all the products that I had applied in the morning. So there's a huge difference for me and my skin personally, um, not cleansing in the morning. So I always say prepare the epidermis. So I'm of the opinion, definitely don't double cleanse because that can be too drying. I don't think you need it. Um, no. Same thing. If you've got oilier skin type, then just a very light cleanse in the morning to remove that excess oil. Um, also, I think it depends on what products you use at night time. So if you're using a thick, rich cream, that residue, there may be small amount of residue on the skin so you're going to need the skin clean um i'm also though if you've got a skin that's quite prone to sensitivity and dryness wiping over with the washcloth as well i mean i don't cleanse in the morning unless i've got a really thick heavy cream that i put on the night before unless i've done a bit of a good slug the night before then <laughs> i then i would do a light cleanse um, otherwise I use a washcloth and I, I wipe over so the skin feels clean. Um, there's no sort of oily residue on there, but I haven't stripped the, the skin with a, a cleanser. So I think most people over cleanse. I think probably a light cleanse in the morning, um, but some people can get away with a washcloth depending on the, the skin type and obviously a clean washcloth, not, not some old dirty rag. <laughs> Well, I should hope not. <laughs> I mean, cleansers also have treatment ingredients, right? So this is what I think some people do forget, especially when you're dealing with skin conditions like rosacea or dermatitis or sensitivity, impaired skin barrier. You, the correct cleanser will have those ingredients to help to restore the epidermis and to uh, restore the skin barrier. So you want to ensure that you're cleansing in the morning. And with cleansing as well, rinsing your cleanser off is not enough. You do need to physically remove it. And a clean washcloth or a clean disposable cloth, something that a client is able to not reuse the next day without it being clean, I think is essential because you do need to physically take off your cleanser. Rinsing in the shower, not a fan. Um, you really need to do a separate cleansing routine and physically take it off so the epidermis is prepared correctly. I'm a, I... I totally agree with that. And I think most people don't cleanse properly. We may have mentioned this before, but if you're cleansing in the shower, you've got quite a lot of pressure coming down on your face. Most people have the shower water way too hot as well. So that can be potentially doing more harm than good. Um, if you leave residue of cleanser on, then that surfactant could potentially start to irritate the skin or break down the the skin barrier to a certain degree if you're leaving it on. Um, so if you think about most most people I see wash their face and then they just splash water at it, you're not getting a thorough clean. So you're not thoroughly removing the makeup and you're not thoroughly removing the cleanser, um, which is why they need two cleansers because they're not cleansing properly. If you get a good gentle washcloth wipe over you'll see what's you'll see if there's any residue left and that 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 washcloth should be clean it shouldn't have all makeup and dirt on it um so if you're just doing that and then wipe over you'll notice that there's still dirt on the washcloth so definitely i'm all for the washcloth i'm about bringing back the face flannel because i actually don't like those really 
the ones that feel like a chamois cloth I don't like those at all I don't think they pick up anything they just they don't they just don't do anything I like a proper gentle face flannel yeah I'm with you on that um we use fibrellas in the clinic which I think are great great um I guess cloths to use for cleansing because they're very gentle they pick up everything off the skin um yeah those microfiber cloths um that you can wash in the washing machine and reuse I don't really feel like that's a proper way to remove your cleanser because you're putting it in the washing machine it has residue of the detergent that you're using in the washing machine and then it's rinsed sometimes with fabric softener and then you're putting those ingredients back onto the skin with that cloth so I always say use something fresh and clean every single day um, and ensuring that yeah you're not reusing a dirty cloth I think that's really important yeah I think the takeaway today is no no dirty face cloth But um, the microfiber, yeah, they like um, chamois, chamois ones. They're the ones I don't like. They don't do anything, but I do like a, a toweling face cloth. I put mine in the washing machine. I use a, a gentle detergent, non-fragranced. Um, yeah, perfect. No issue whatsoever. So um, mm. you can just get the right detergent. <laughs> yeah, something that's gentle and nothing with fa- with fabric softener, like just keeping it rinsed and clean I think it is important um myself yeah I agree with that absolutely um so cleansing we've decided that we need to cleanse double cleanse if you've got heavy makeup on cleanse in the morning and use a face cloth um what else are we going to ask what were we going to talk about next toners I get asked all the time do I need a toner Look, toners aren't essential for everyone. It depends on the skin and what you're trying to achieve with that skin. There are some toners that are actually quite effective um, at really helping to stimulate that little bit of cell turnover. It it does finish the cleansing process, but it's not essential for everyone. You know, you really have to look at the ingredients that's in that toner and what you're trying to achieve with that skin. I think it comes down to the individual ingredients because we've got toners we've got essences we've got lotions um and it's very hard to know what what the actual difference is we've got spritzes um i think back in the day when people used to use a cold cream it's actually a bit bit before my time even that um you Mm -hmm. know like a, a thick rich cold cream to take the makeup off it would leave a greasy residue on the skin then they would go over with an astringent based toner like a lotion usually it's either got witch hazel or alcohol in to sort of remove all the residue and we don't need to do that anymore because we've got more refined cleansing products we don't need to use an astringent based toner Um, but there are essences now which are sort of lightweight almost toner type textures that have usually got some kind of ingredients for calming or humectant type ingredients we've got lotions which are similar to toners but usually not sort of that strong alcohol base um i don't use them to be honest with you i think also the thought of the environment using a cotton pad wiping over throwing that cotton pad away it's not something i use but i know a lot of people do use them and they do love them um I've never really been into spritzing either and I know a lot of people love to spritz to add some hydration and then put a moisturiser over. For me, it's just a step in my skincare that I just don't do. I just, the 
find it a hassle to get the the cotton pad and then it's to me it's wasteful I would put it on my hand and pat it in possibly but I I don't use toners myself but there is a time and a place for them I think yeah, it depends on what you're trying to achieve. Um, if you are dealing with a client that does have an acne skin, it can be quite useful because you've got AHA, BHA that can help stimulate cell turnover and leave those ingredients on the skin, which can be quite beneficial for an acne problematic skin. But lotions, I actually do like. Um, I use a lotion every day. I use the P50. And the thing I like about P50, and for those of you that don't know what P50 is, that's a biologic Rajesh product. Um, it is a signature product, I guess, similar to a toner, but it is a lotion. So after you finish your cleansing process and you really help to balance and hydrate that skin barrier and remove debris, the P50, in essence, adds those ingredients to help to balance out that skin microbiome um, and also, once again, stimulate cell turnover without being irritating. So with that particular product, you don't wipe over the skin. You apply it on a cotton pad. Um, and then you pat it on the skin and you actually leave the ingredients on the skin to work, which I think is a very different thing to actually using a toner, you know. Um, so I've seen some incredible changes on the skin by using that product. It creates a beautiful sheen to the skin, helps to balance out that skin barrier, stimulates that cell turnover without being irritating. So there are some really good products um, the P50 in particular is actually very good. And for anyone that's used it, that you you kind of know what I'm talking about. I haven't used it. I haven't tried it. But I do hear a lot of people really rave about it. Everybody raves about the P50 lotion. And it's like a liquid, liquid exfoliant, really, right, that you just wipe on and leave on the skin. Um, Correct. So I am quite keen to try it. I know there's um, Paula's, Paula's Choice, the, the salicylic acid one, is also very popular. I did try that one probably not the right product for my particular skin um, and also to me it was another step in the regime that I didn't necessarily want to do. <laughs> I like quick easy skincare. Um, yeah. I'm happy to layer, I'm like serums, I like moisturisers but you know the liquid exfoliation for me is a bit of a pain. As I said I don't like having to use cotton pads. Um, that's my one thing for the environment, you know makeup wipes, cotton pads, all those sorts of things. If you don't have to do it, to me, it's like there must be more sort of sustainable ways of doing it. Saying that, though, if you're getting great results, sometimes, you know, there are things... Beauty, let's face it, isn't sustainable. Um, so if companies are saying their their skincare is sustainable, it's not. Let's face it. Beauty and fashion are the most least sustainable industries that there are. Um, but where I can do my bit, I will. Yeah, and that's... That's good. It's good to be proactive in that way. Any little change that you can make to help the environment, I think, is important. Um, I do like using that lotion. I think it's made a huge difference. I'm not a fan of toners myself because I find them too astringent for my skin. Um, I find they strip, they dry, they dehydrate. Um, regardless of the ingredients that are in them, they generally tend to be too astringent for, for me and for most clients. But the P50 has certainly um, changed a lot of skin, so huge fan of that. What about... Um, Let's talk about eye makeup removers. Do we use a separate eye cleanser? Do we use the same facial cleanser on our eyes to take off our makeup? Let's talk about that. This is really interesting. And I find this quite interesting because I see so many skin therapists going, don't use micellar water on the face because you're leaving it on and it's really bad for your skin, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm thinking, well, what do you think an eye makeup remover is? <laughs> 
Well, essentially, yes. Um, that, that's I, what it is. You know, like the liquid ones, they just melt everything off. I mean, basically a true micellar water, it's got polysorbate or something very, 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 very super gentle. Um, so it's not a strong surfactant and that is why it is designed for the eye area. Um, and that's what a micellar water is as well. What a true micellar water should be. Some maybe are a bit stronger. I don't know. I don't use them. Um so there are some great gentle eye makeup removers. Again, I'm for ease of use. So I like to use a oleo gel, which is a oil versus, it's not as heavy as a balm. It's not an oil because I find the oils make your eyes go a bit smeary. It, you basically put, put it on, it turns into an oil. It feels like a gel, turns into an oil, rub it over my eyes, um, wipe off with my washcloth and I'm done simple so for me I think that's that's a routine um most people if they're not wearing heavy makeup and you've prescribed a cleanser that does remove makeup most of the cleansers that I have in the clinic can be used on face and eyes however there are those that you can't um and you do need to recommend a separate eye makeup remover if you are the type of person that is wearing heavy mascara um, and heavy makeup every single day, then you may potentially need a separate eye makeup remover. And the right one will also condition the eye area as well. It won't dry the eye, eye area out. It will help to really liquefy that makeup, um, break down that mascara and remove it without, um, I guess, irritating that skin around the eyes. I have seen clients try and keep things simple and use their facial cleanser, a treatment cleanser, perhaps designed for more of an acne or congested skin around their eyes and they've ended up in lots of trouble with dermatitis around their eyes, um, very irritated eyes. Yeah, so really make sure that the product that you're using, whether it's a cream, whether it's an oil or whatever it is that you've been prescribed can be used on face and eyes. Mm. It's funny, I actually got mes- I got a message just this week about what can I use around my eye area? And what eye makeup remover do you use? I was like, I don't. I use a, an oleo gel. Um, so I like to keep it easy. But yes, never hydroxy acids around the eyes. Um, that's going to sting. That's going to dry. And that's why also what doesn't work well around the eyes are the foaming cleansers as well. They don't right. tend to break down the eye makeup remover or the mascara. I'm not personally a fan of foaming cleansers. Um, you know, the gels that turn into a foam. I've never been into them. I find them very boring. They're very unexciting. Why spend a lot of money on them? I know um, it's all to do with the surfactants, the conditioning agents, the super fatting agents, and you you do need to get a good foaming product to make sure that it doesn't strip and dry the skin because a lot of them can ultimately comes down to the final formulation but I just find them so boring and they're not good at removing makeup and if you're using a foaming cleanser you definitely would need to do a double cleanse you know maybe a oil cleanse first followed by a foaming cleanser um the foaming cleanser will remove the residue of the oil cleanser um and the foaming cleanser won't be enough to remove makeup and that's why you would need a double cleanse which then means you've got to buy two separate cleansers Yeah, agreed. Um, There are very few skins that I would prescribe a foaming or gel cleanser to. Um, And to be honest with you, those types of cleansers to me are temporary because they are there as treatment products. If you are dealing with a client that has acne, 
um, excessive oil flow, a really thickened skin, you know, it's a treatment product that you would use temporarily. It's not a cleanser that you would keep a client on indefinitely. I really um, disagree with those types of cleansers. Anything that foams or bubbles, um, gel, you know, you really have to think about how long you want to keep that person on that cleanser for because long-term use of that is going to dry their skin out and they're going to end up in all sorts of trouble later on. So you really have to address the cleansing routine quite regularly with the client. Saying that though, there is a bit of a myth about foaming cleansers are drying because mm. there's a consumer perception in as a cosmetic chemist that the more foam, the more cleansing a product would be. And that's not necessarily true. So, for instance, you can have very strong surfactants that don't foam, but then other ones will foam, and some you will add to cleansers to boost foam. So you can make a very strong stripping cleanser without foam, just for the record. Um, there's this, there, there is a very common perception that foaming cleansers are more drying but you could make one that isn't drying. I guess that is my point. Saying that, a lot of budget cleansers would use something like sodium laurel sulfate without the conditioning agents and super fatting agents and it could be quite stripping and drying if not balanced correctly. I know we've bust these myths in the past. So you could have a very conditioning foaming cleanser is my point. You could have a very stripping oil-based cleanser because it's got more surfactant in to cut through the oil. So just because it's an oil cleanser doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be less drying on the skin. It does always come down to final formulation because I think there is that misconception that foam means stripping and it doesn't necessarily. It does just come down to the type of surfactant that's been used and it's a foaming surfactant. That's a good point. Um, I have foaming cleansers in the clinic, a couple of different brands, um, I have my sellers in the clinic, a couple of different brands as well, both quite gentle. I have still experienced clients that have dried out with using both of those um, long-term because of that mechanical action. So think about, I guess, what you're trying to achieve. Look at the ingredients in that product, but think about what you're trying to achieve with that skin. If that client really does wear heavy makeup, that yes, they need to use that type of cleanser first. Absolutely. Um, but it's not the only cleanser that they would use, you know. So really it comes down to what you're trying to do for that skin and what you're trying to improve. And I do feel that like cleansing routines need to be addressed regularly with that client. You know, I'll, I'll change a client's cleanser quite often. As they run out of one, I, I may, you know, change their cleanser depending on what the skin is doing, how it's responding, reassess their skin and I might might introduce a different cleanser as well. So I think it's something that needs to be addressed throughout their treatment plan. I think it's actually the most important first step of a skincare regime is getting the right cleanser and it's so often overlooked and people do use quite often these cheap cleansers that aren't well formulated and as a result get that sort of really dry skin as a result and I think we've got to move away from that mentality of, oh, super squeaky clean skin. Because if it feels really tight and squeaky clean, then that means it's probably stripping the skin and you are going to end up with skin sensitivity and skin irritation. So getting the right cleanser is absolutely crucial. And I think more people need to take time in finding the right one. Agreed. Totally agree. Now, 
Exfoliation. This is a, this is really interesting because there's a lot of people that are saying, you know, oh, exfoliation is terrible. You shouldn't exfoliate. It's um, going to damage the barrier. Other people are really pro exfoliation. Then I get asked all the time, how often should I exfoliate? And how long have we got to talk about this? Because it's really quite a complicated subject. Because first of all, I think. Different skins will need different amounts of exfoliation. So some skins will retain skin cells and they will have a, a thicker skin and they can handle more skin, uh, more exfoliation, like a oily acne skin, for example. They will naturally need more exfoliation because they're prone to congestion. They retain um, more skin cells, which will make them more prone to congestion and they can handle more exfoliation. We also know, interestingly, that controlled exfoliation like hydroxy acids and lactic acid and things like that can actually help to improve skin barrier function however this is where it gets divided too much will impair skin barrier and cause sensitivity and dryness so there's a very fine line between over exfoliation and causing skin trauma and damage which i find a lot of people do do because they're using the wrong product or too much or too strong and using exfoliation in a controlled manner to actually improve skin barrier and get and improve the condition of the skin. Correct. I couldn't have said that any better myself. Um, I guess I like to adapt the philosophy of training the skin to behave better. So with exfoliation, mechanical exfoliants, scrubbing the skin, uh, it, it's a very abrasive um, type of technique to exfoliate. What you want to do is use ingredients from products to actually encourage the cell turnover process and help dislodge that clogging and congestion that's trapped in that follicle in particular for congested and acne-prone skin. So that follicle where all of that oil and dead skin kind of build up is actually very deep, as you know, within the skin. So you want to actually get ingredients into that follicle to, to dislodge that clogging and congestion and that dead skin build up that's trapped. If you mechanically exfoliate, too regularly you're really just working superficially with a scrub and what you're essentially doing is breaking down that skin barrier and irritating the skin so using ingredients in your skincare will actually encourage cell turnover process and break down that congestion within that follicle which is what we're trying to achieve with aging skins our cell turnover process slows down so ingredients like AHAs um, vitamin A fantastic ingredients to encourage cell turnover break down that congestion normalize and regulate the skin so i'm more about doing that but like you said fine line too much is not necessarily better you need to find that right balance to encourage the skin to behave better without overdoing it mm. and i'm very much about giving the skin what it needs topically and internally for the skin to do what it needs to do so getting the skin into optimum skin health and we give the skin the tools it needs to do so rather than sort of taking that sledgehammer approach to sort of peel everything away and, and start again. Saying that, there's a time and a place for that as well. <laughs> um, and as I say, there's a time and a place for everything. So when people say, how often should I exfoliate? It really depends on the skin as to how much it can tolerate. Some skins can actually tolerate daily exfoliation depending on the strength of the product, if it's very, very gentle and mild. Other skins, maybe once a week. Some skins, every couple of weeks. Depends on what exfoliant you're actually using and the strength of it. So 
there's no finite answer to that. I think it really depends on the individual skin and the product that's actually being recommended. There's products designed to be used daily and there's other products designed to be used weekly and there's products designed to be used monthly. So it it really does vary on the skin and the product that you're using. Agreed. Um, and, you know, most brands these days, they um, prescribe products like blemish pads or exfoliating pads, you know, as part of your routine, daily routine, those ingredients in those pads also exfoliate. So if you're doing that on a daily routine, using a toner, um, using vitamin A, using perhaps glycolic serums as well, or AHA-based serums or BHA, all of those ingredients are encouraging exfoliation. So yeah, think about the type of skin that you're working with and what you're trying to achieve and find that right balance for that particular skin so that we don't overdo it. Mm. And that's the thing. I think people will use hydroxy acid cleansers, then they'll use a toner with hydroxy acids in it. Yeah. Um, quite often people will use mechanical scrubs and people get addicted to these mechanical scrubs. They like the feel or like the pads that you that you were saying. They've got a slight abrasive texture to them plus they've got hydroxy acids and they're scrubbing oh, scrub 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 um and then many serums have also got hydroxy acids i was actually sent a range to try it was a new range a couple of years ago and there was a toner a serum and a scrub and I used the, the cleanser, which was quite nice. It had a bit of a tingle. Then I used the scrub and it's like, whoa, this stuff is dynamite. I mean, my skin felt great after, I have to say, but it was strong. Then I used the serum. And then I started feeling my skin was getting red and a little bit of irritation. And this was only after one, one use. And then I looked at the ingredients. The cleanser had hydroxy acids. The scrub had a physical scrub but also had hydroxy acids and the serum had hydroxy acids as well. And in my opinion, that's way too much. My skin couldn't handle it at all. Um, I can't handle daily exfoliation at all on my skin, particularly on the cheeks. They will get dry and irritated. Um, maybe on my nose it could handle it a bit better. But this was way too much. So you do need to know what's in your products because, in my opinion, maybe an acneic skin could have handled that but most skins that would be way too stimulating for. So even one product daily with hydroxy acids in, um, depending on how strong, could be too much for some people. Some people it's fine. But three different products with hydroxy acids, that was all from the same range, in my opinion, way too much. But that's also why we were saying the other day not to cherry pick or be careful with cherry picking because you could use a cleanser, a toner, a scrub, um, and I know we both don't really like scrubs, but there are people that use them. So just check what's in them and how aggressive they are. And even your serum and moisturiser, do they have hydroxy acids in them as well? So you, you do need to be careful. Um, saying that as well, though, Rose, if you look at the inky list on the back of a, an ingredient, quite often you could think there was hydroxy acids in there when there may not be because you could see lactic acid listed. Um but depending on the pH of the product and the strength of that lactic acid, it may be in there as a pH adjuster, it may be in there as a moisturising ingredient, not necessarily an exfoliating ingredient. So again, that's when you need to speak to a professional. Some preservative systems use salicylic acid. So you may see salicylic acid listing on, listed on an ingredient list, but it may not be acting as 
decongesting exfoliating salicylic acid. It's purely in there as part of a preservative system and will have no exfoliation activity whatsoever. So these are things that are important to understand and why you can't always tell a lot from an inky list because it's um, you actually don't know necessarily the percentage of the ingredient and why that ingredient is in there because you don't know what the complex is just by looking at the inky list. That's very good information. Um, and that's when it comes down to cherry picking from different ranges, like you said, because then you don't have any control on how that skin is going to respond. You know, you will overdo it with AHA ingredients um, if you combine too many of those products together and cherry pick from different brands. You know, and also remember, clients are essentially coming into the clinic for treatments every four to six weeks. Majority of the time, that particular treatment will involve some form of exfoliation, you know. So if the client is overdoing their actives at home, overdoing their exfoliation, when they come in for a treatment, their skin barrier, number one, is going to be impaired, won't be able to tolerate the procedure that perhaps we've prescribed for them. And number two, you can do some real damage, you know. So, you know, you want to really make sure that you get that beautiful fine balance to encourage the natural cell turnover process, encourage the natural exfoliation of the skin without overdoing it with ingredients, avoid too much cherry picking from different brands. Then when you come in for your treatment in the clinic, we can really do what we have prescribed your skin to have done on that day without thinking, okay, well, we can't do this today. We're going to have to do something else because we now have to rebuild and repair that skin barrier. So, you know, thinking along those lines when you've got a client on a treatment plan, I think is important. And this is why I have trust issues because so many times I have been for a skin treatment and the first thing they say is, oh, we'll just give you a quick peel or a light peel to pick your skin up. And I'm thinking that's the last thing my skin needs. And every time I go for treatment, I'd say, please, please, I do not respond well to hydroxy acids. I get like red and blotchy and my skin doesn't like it. Um, oh no, you'll be fine with mine. Oh, I'll just give you a light pill to pick you up. And that's when I know they actually don't know what they're talking about because they're not reading my skin. Um, and this is the problem that I have with a lot of um, cookie cutter treatments when it's coming in regularly and we'll just do the same treatment for everyone to pick the skin up or if somebody books in for a course of peels, they don't look at the skin each time and time and time again, I've got the phone calls from therapists saying my clients responded really quite badly to a skin peel, you know, I don't know what's happened, you know. And it's like, well, you haven't actually read the skin. You know, maybe that person's been in an aeroplane, their skin's more dehydrated, they've had some sun exposure and you've done the same treatment and the skin's responded differently. And this is why it's so important to go to somebody that's really experienced, that can look at the skin, know when you need to exfoliate, when you don't, and also be able to swap out those skincare products accordingly so that you get the right results. Definitely. Um, you're pretty much consulting your client every time they come in. Um, you're checking their skin, you're reassessing their routine, monitoring how their skin has progressed between the last visit and the current visit into the clinic. So you have to basically consult them every time. And if there has been something that has occurred, whether they've seen something on Instagram and seen this influencer use an amazing product and purchase that in between clinic visits, you need to ask those questions because then you may not be able to potentially do that treatment that you've scheduled that client in for. You can tell when the skin barrier is impaired. And peels, for example, as much as they're a great treatment, if you were to apply a peel on a skin barrier that's impaired, 
that active is going to penetrate so quickly into the skin, it's going to create an adverse reaction. Um, as we get older as well, women that do age and they start to become more lipid dry, you have to also be quite careful about things like peels or, or actives that exfoliate because if you overdo it for those skins, you can also impair the skin barrier and dry that skin out. So, you know, my recommendation to all my colleagues out there, always reassess your client's skin at always. every visit. Always do a skin check. It takes literally five minutes to ask those questions. But they um, don't, Rose, they don't, half the time they don't do it. You go back in, they don't really look at the skin. It's like, how was your weekend? How was your um, holiday? How was this? How was that? They don't even ask about your skincare regime and they don't look at your skin. And it's all chit-chat about the weather, basically, without reassessing the skin. And I very, very few people that I've I've gone to for skin treatments will actually do that. And that really concerns me. Totally. Um that's a mandatory that I do with my clients mm. when they come in the clinic. I will always check their skin, even if it's just with the woods lamp. I check their skin with the woods lamp before I do any treatment, ask them the questions, what's changed for them? Have they introduced different products? How's everything feeling? You know, has anything changed for you in your lifestyle? Um, I always ask those same questions before I do any treatment. So it's a mini consult at every single appointment. You need to do that as a professional because if you just say, oh, yeah, come in, you're here for a peel today without even assessing their skin, that client's going to go home. And in two days, they're going to end up with red, flaky, itchy skin because they've used so many actives in that four weeks since you've last seen them and you didn't know that. So honestly, that five-minute skin check is everything for that client. And I think that's how you really look after somebody on a personal mm. level. It's taking them through that journey to rebuild the skin and part of that process is consulting them at every appointment. Absolutely. And I see it time and time again. And so I think the moral of the story is if somebody isn't doing that and looking at your skin every time and not checking what products you're using and not not checking into how your skin has been. Um, and also, if they're not prepared to say, I know you've booked in for this treatment and you really want it, but you need this treatment, you need a different treatment today. If somebody doesn't have the confidence to be able to change the treatment because then they don't feel confident enough with that client, then you haven't got yourself a good skin therapist, in my opinion. They need to be able to go, nope, your skin can't handle that today, we're doing something else. Because I can't tell you how many times I've seen it when they've just gone ahead and done that that peel or that microdermabrasion or, or a treatment that is just not suitable for that skin and there's been an adverse result. Totally. Um, and it comes down to also having too many therapists look after you as well. I think that's also an issue. We're, with clinics, and no disrespect to anybody, everyone has the right to run their business the way that they want to, but when there's so many different therapists looking after one client, you lose that um, relationship. You lose the understanding of that skin. Um, I don't think you're able to look after that client in the best way. So if you do have a business and there are a few therapists, you know, working on a particular client, you have to have the communication there. It has to be there. Your notes have to be there and you need to communicate with that therapist that is potentially looking after your client on that appointment. So they need to have a really good understanding of what's going on with their skin, their products. Pop in the room if you're the person that initially looked after them. Give them a quick five-minute conversation, a quick five-minute skin check. How have things been the last month? 
this person is looking after you today. We're going to be doing this today. Your skin's going to respond really well. Yep. You know, it takes five minutes to do that. It is really not a big deal. But as a practitioner, you need to do that for your clients. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, yeah, different people every time. You're you're not going to build that relationship and you're not going to understand the skin. And I actually want the same person looking after my skin because I want to go on that skin journey with them. Um if it's a different person each time, you know you don't feel like they really get to know you and you get they get to know your skin. Um, because it does take a few treatments to get to know somebody's skin as well to see how it responds. So I think that's really great advice. And for anyone listening, maybe you need a new therapist. <laughs> yeah, it just comes down to um, delegating, but delegating in the right way. At the end of the day, we have a responsibility for that client and you need to look after them. Or it might be that you've got an exceptional therapist and stay with them just just to, you know. But but if you're not feeling that you're getting the results, then it might be time to go elsewhere. Or if you are getting the great results, stick with that therapist because um, it is a very um, intimate journey, really, of skin. And you, you really need to get that um, right therapist that understands your skin. And again, that's when um, experience is everything, I think. Agreed. Totally agree.